Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Welcome to the With All Your Mind podcast. We hope you find these conversations helpful on your journey. Hi, welcome to the With All Your Mind podcast. I'm Walter F. Rodriguez, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Dr. Mark McNear and Pastor Kirk Ruprecht. And today we're going to be talking about sleep. <laughs> Not just sleep. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're also going to be talking about rest and stress, relationships, loss, bad days, good days, coping mechanisms. Essentially, we're going to be talking about what mental health is, and we're going to be defining some terms that some of you might not know. So I'm going to turn to Mr. Mark here, a doctor, I'm sorry, Dr. Brother, Sir Mark McNear. <laughs> What is mental health, Dr. McNair? That's a great question, Walter. I think I think maybe the best way for us to define it is when we look at an individual's thoughts, mm-hmm. their emotions, and their behavior. Mm. Look at all three of those. I know when I make assessments with people, I'm looking at you know what they're talking about as far as their thoughts, you know what they're feeling at the time, and also what their behavior is like. Mm. And it's on a continuum. Yeah, mm. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think this. We've been talking a little bit about it in, in the past couple of weeks, and it's this idea that everything human involves mental health. There's nothing that we really do or can do that doesn't involve our minds in some way, shape, or form. And there's nothing that happens to us in our experience that doesn't affect our minds, just like everything else. Yeah, it's that idea that the brain is connected with the brainstem to the body. So, so yeah. it's all connected together. And sometimes we've kind of separated those, mm. especially sometimes in the church we separate those. Yeah. But we have to look at the person as a holistic person. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, this just shows how intricately God has created us to be and how complex we are. Yeah. And the, the reality of all those things working together is, is, is really like, Pardon the pun, but it's mind blowing, right? Um, <laughs> we actually really kind of think through that, and um, and yet, you know, when those things aren't operating the same in in the right levels, then you know we're not necessarily walking in, in the health we could be walking in. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's kind of the the hope and the joy of kind of going through things like um, this conversation and trying to define some of those terms too, and just kind of really maybe elevate uh, a little bit of that care mm. and that that, um, that view of why we should be giving that almost the same amount of attention as other kind of health areas that we, yeah. we look at. I yeah. Think, I think that question of, you know, a really good question for us to ask ourselves and for people to ask themselves, of, why are you acting the way you're acting? Why are you feeling the way you're feeling? And why are you, you know, um, thinking the way you're thinking? Can I add another question to that? Certainly. What am I feeling? Yeah. I think yeah. sometimes we get so caught up with the things that we're trying to do that we never really process how am I feeling in the moment? What's going on inside of me? Mm-hmm. And it might be hard because things tend to be pretty nebulous. And so they blend into each other. They can change and shift as the day goes by. Sometimes as the moment goes by. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that those are really good ones. But I would add that as well. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're really um, positive mm-hmm. about the emotions that, that we view as being good emotions. But all emotions are really good. They're just trying to indicate something right. to us. Yeah. You know, but we tend to want to absorb all of the good ones. But the ones that are more painful, we want to push away. We're going to talk mm. about coping and things yeah. like that. Coping in good ways as opposed to coping in bad ways. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, we tend to want to push those away. Right. And that ends up with us getting really busy or just trying to outrun them. Yeah. I, I've heard, I don't know if this is correct, Mark. You can... Uh, you can totally disagree with me if you want, but um, that are like just 
all emotions are really trying to tell us something. They're trying to yeah. Like, yeah. speak to us. Or they're mm-hmm. trying to like even alarm us of things. Like, so even yeah. when we have these negative emotions or these like, I don't know if it's just anxiety, whatever these feelings are, it's trying to alert us to something, right? Yeah, and, and the problem is in the world that we live in, you know, it's a fallen world. And so sometimes those feelings are not accurate as far as they're accurate what we're feeling, mm-hmm. but they're misinforming us of possible danger right. when there might not be any danger there at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I mean, it, that's a protective measure. I think that our body, uh, is equipped with built yeah. in. Yeah. We created, we created a security system. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. But it's speaking to that. Like I said, speaking into that circumstance of like, okay, this is protecting me. Does it need to, at this moment, this mm-hmm. emotion I'm feeling, is this, does this uh, apply to what I'm experiencing? I think it, that's hard. Like yeah. If I'm from my experience, at least it's yeah. a, you, you think about, you know, if you walk up on a bear, Mm-hmm. With with two cubs, mm-hmm. you know, there's a reason why why your heart is beating and, and you're feeling scared. Yeah, you know, a lot of times, and I've talked about this before. Getting up in the morning, a lot of times I feel scared when I first get up in the morning because yeah. of my background and, and my mm-hmm. history. Yeah, you know, there's no real danger there, but my body's trying to protect me from things that happened long ago. Yeah, and and that part of the brain doesn't have a timestamp. Right, so it seems pertinent for today. I, I yeah, I love that you're um, bringing this back. Because I think in a lot of experiences, we just want to forget past and go forward and just be like, okay, but that's, that's in the past. I won't deal with that. Right. But I think we fail to see how often that shapes our lens that we see from, right? Yeah. The, the, the lens we view from is formed somewhere, right? Yeah. It doesn't just necessarily show up, but from our experiences and all these things. And so when we look forward, it's usually with that lens of the past. Yeah, yeah and, and I wish I had a, I wish I had a penny for every time somebody came into my office and said, you know, I really want to work on these things in my life, these behaviors that I'm not really uh, proud of. And they'll say, but I don't want to work on my past. Mm. You know, and, and it's pretty much. These are connected. Know, yeah, yeah, these yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's hard to go and back I, there. Yeah. Well, that's. The, yeah. And I know you don't do that, like, without really being. um considerate of mm-hmm. past circumstances and things like mm-hmm. that you know because yeah. i think it is some of the things that people have experienced that they're just it's Ain't a broken sinful world yeah. like some really awful bad. things that you know traumatic things why would you want to go back there? right and we go back gently yeah that's it that's it that's it i love that i was thinking kirk when you were talking about this idea of a like a security system something to protect us that sometimes gets triggered by the wrong thing i was just thinking harlem's um, how mm. they're supposed to be useful. If someone's breaking in your car, they go off and they're loud and great. But 90% of the time, nobody's Whose car is that? Yeah, exactly. And you don't even, people don't even check anymore. They just like reach out the window and turn it off. There's no worry anymore because it, it's probably just a false alarm. But that idea that um, our bodies do that, that mm. anxiety could be some little thing, even subconsciously, that tripped the alarm. And there's no real reason for you to be worried but something happened to you in the past and all of a sudden you're getting these feelings um, and your body's trying to protect you, your mind's trying to protect you and you don't know how to turn it off. Because car alarms, usually super easy. Human beings turning off that warning system. Complex. Yeah. 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 Anxiety is not a push a button and it's gone. No. Unfortunately. No. no, that's good. Where are we heading with looking to define some thoughts, some things that yeah. Is that what we're- yeah, let's define some of these terms because we've used some of these in uh, past podcast episodes so far, and I think that they'll be useful and we'll probably be using them again. In the you, know, you know, Walter, I love this idea because, you know, words don't have any meaning. Mm-hmm. It's the definition that we give to them. Yeah. So I think it's helpful for us to be able to talk about at least what we mean when we're talking about these uh, terms. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah, and I think it's possible some of these terms might be a little bit foreign due to the way that we culturally kind of highlight uh, or the lack of highlight we give to things like mental mental health. And, and yet, you know, we, we're such an interesting group of uh, individuals because we highlight things like physical health pretty, pretty strongly in our culture. Like yeah. It's a very big cultural value. And yet this is a holistic body we have, you yeah. know. And so I think it's going to be really helpful to just kind of define some of these terms because they could be a little bit foreign to, to people. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. Um, I love that you talked about like culture's view in that um, because it, you know, I'm one of the, the youth group leaders for the, for the boys and the boys talk all the time about the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a lot of friends that are in the gym all the time. And I grew up doing sports and I, I love to work out. I'm not a gym guy. I'm a more outdoors uh, mm-hmm. workout guy. But it's almost inconceivable that modern kids, teenagers, early 20s, 30s don't have a gym membership. Mm-hmm. But the idea of getting regularly worked on in, in other ways mentally is kind of strange. I think this generation's growing up, I'll say that. This generation's growing up with a lot more awareness of mental health and, and how important it is. But uh, it still, I don't think, has penetrated the, the zeitgeist as well, as much as just the gym. Yeah, like like when, when people want to go for a physical, you know, get a checkup or things like that, we're like, great, that's great self-care. Sometimes when people say, you know, I'm going for counseling, there's like a little bit of dead space. <laughs> yeah. People get quiet yeah. like, and just kind of stare, you yeah. know, yeah. and it needs to change. And I think it is changing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, what's wrong with that guy? And it's like, no, yeah. like this is like you, this is health. This is how you get it's healthy. Maintenance. Yeah. This is how you, this is how health happens. Yeah. Right. Like I can't just want to be healthy and not go to the gym or exercise at all. Yeah. Just like imagine it to be. Right. You know, like I don't think that method works. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe it does some, but in the same sense, it's like, okay, if I really want to walk in some, some really healthy space mentally, I think that's going to take some exercise. It's going to take some, uh, spaces to be able to do that yeah. existing, you know? And and before we move on to the definitions, I think it's important here to to really understand what we're talking about. And it's not just going to a therapist, going to a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. psychologist. Mental health is making sure you're getting enough sleep because if you're not sleeping, everything's dysregulated. Um, mental health is making sure that your relationships are healthy. You're not involved in a toxic relationship that's damaging you mentally, emotionally, sometimes mm-hmm. physically. Um, and so... It really encompasses encompasses all of these things. Yeah, like we were talking about a holistic view. Yeah, you know, Dr. Daniel Amen has done a lot of work with eating yeah. and how how you eat affects yeah. your brain. Yeah, and the functioning of your brain. Yeah, stress. How you're coping with stress at work, especially. I don't know. Well, as Americans, we're we're great, man. We're, I mean, the stuff we eat, we're so. <laughs> this is this is not a concern for us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now Walter's talking about stress. I don't even know what stress is. What? I think you've read about it in one of your medical journals. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, we work sixty-hour work weeks. How can we be stressed? <laughs> I feel like, ooh, man. I, I, I think guys that are listening in on this, guys and gals. That might be something that you want to talk about. Maybe yeah. people want to find healthy ways of dealing with stress at work. Um, I know for me, that's definitely something. I'm I, here for the conversation. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My busy season at work, you guys know, you've been around is whew, just yeah. getting through it, just trying to, to maintain. So all of that is what we're talking about with mental health. It really is just like physical, right? So if you're going about your day, you might stub your toe in the morning. That affects your, your physical health to some degree. You might catch a cold. That affects your health. Um, and so just as everything affects you physically as you move bodily through your day, everything that you come into contact with affects you uh, mentally um, and psychologically as you're moving through your day. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's traumatic or that there's like a major shift, but 
everything affects us and just being aware of that stuff and helping to maintain good health and by participating in like healthy habits and doing the things that we need to to really maintain mm. our minds where they're supposed to be i think is is that mental health it's all of that yeah and it's not a one and done right it's not like okay i did this and yeah. now i'm fine i think it's a progression and right. you have to different times in your life you know you might need you know just even to talk to somebody yeah yeah no i, I there's definitely been seasons where i'm exhausted and i'm tired and i'm thinking to myself i took a vitamin in 2012. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> I definitely remember that day that I took that. And it's a multivitamin. So it's, it's multi, multi year, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think it's really important, Mark. The idea of like ongoing care instead of I, I ate a salad once, and yeah. I don't know why I'm not healthy right now. You yeah. know. But let's, um, Kirk. I think you were right about uh, talking about some of these terms, right? So let's start with one of the terms that we've talked about here: stress. What does that mean? What is hmm. stress? Do you want examples? Or well, yeah, give me some examples. What is stressful? Okay. Oh, this so, week. Oh, sorry. No, no, that's this, right. This week, <laughs> my car uh, crapped out and doesn't, I don't know how to fix it. No one else does mechanics either. So <laughs> shout out to any mechanics that can help us. Um, we also had our bathroom get exploding and had to get that all fixed Ooh. up. Uh, a kid with the flu. Mm-hmm. Works. That just, yeah, yeah there's, yeah, there's just like things. And this week I felt like... Yeah, I, I don't know if I can handle all this by myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so right. I think I'm going to lose it. <laughs> you know, and I, th- I think the list goes on. Yeah. You yeah. Know, people talk about not being able to afford to pay for the rent. Yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah. Not being able to make it oh, yeah. being a month or two behind on their mortgage. Finances, that causes yeah. stress. Yeah. yeah. You know, having people, and you alluded to it, people that are ill, yeah. you yeah. know, can cause a lot of stress for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Plans changing. When I have to go do this and this has to get accomplished and then all of a sudden you have the flu and you're stuck in bed. Yeah. That's incredibly stressful. And we carry that around. Yeah. But I think stress is processing the reality of a broken world. Mm-hmm. Right. I think mm-hmm. it's it's sitting there. We we have this perception of the world and, and it was created good, right? And I think that's that's true. Bible says that. And yet the fall has has cursed the ground, right? Yeah. So it's like now we expect to wake up and everything going to operate the way we, we, we it should have yeah. it's natural design but but that's just not reality yeah. so i think it's when we're met with these yeah. moments of seeing uh brokenness yeah, yeah. Think we're, we don't it, it brings the stress it brings yeah. us like just i guess distress right it brings the right. distress in our, in our that's lives. a great point and i think that you know i think people fall usually into two different categories and I don't like categories that much, but mm-hmm. you know, people think that everything's going to go well that day, yeah. or people think everything's going to go bad that day. Yeah, you know, and it's a combination of both. Yes, that's so good. Yeah. We are so polarized in so many different ways, you know. And mm-hmm. so I think yeah. living in the the in between of like, and I, yeah, and like this yeah. could be there could be some really good highlights yeah. today, and this day could also really really stink. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. and I think also as. Um, Fathers of Jesus too, and, and believe it, just any any human, there is there is opposition to relationships. There is spiritual things that are happening, powers yeah. and principalities. I'm not gonna get weird on us, but like that's the yeah. reality, you know. So I think those are factors too that create the and trigger these these stresses mm-hmm. and things like that too. Yeah. Um, you can love your kid and they could have just drawn a map of Narnia on your wall in permanent marker. And that's a bad thing. You have to. <laughs> I've been, it depends I've been on how good their artistic to abilities is, I think. I mean, go through that, that closet, that wardrobe, and like <laughs> nothing's happening. Just keep it in my head. There's this definition that I want to run by you, Dr. Mark. But I thought it, I thought it was a really good start. 
Um, stress can be defined as any type of change that causes physical, emotional, or psychological strain. Stress is your body's response to anything that requires attention or action. Yeah, it's that tension, feeling that tension within your body. Yeah. And again, going back to the body, we feel it in our body. Yeah. You know, it's something that we experience. We've taken it in through the brain. It goes through the brainstem and it goes throughout the body. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of just attention because I think sometimes we think of stress as like a to-do list of things that we have to accomplish, mm. but sometimes it's just the fact that something exists. Mm-hmm. So if you've had like a family member pass away, the fact that they're not there can bring stress. There's nothing you can do about it. There's no action that you can take, but just that that, that exists, that's a state that you're in now. Cool. Sometimes it's a list of to-dos. Yeah. And and you know, you put them all down and you have this expectation yeah. that yeah. they're gonna be done within twenty-four hours. And there's no way that they could be done in twenty four hours. You couldn't do it within three days. Yeah. And that that can cause a lot of distress. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a just this felt need to be safe. Mm, um, yeah. You know, and I, and I feel, I th- I do think Christianity gives a really good framework, just theological framework of of kind of the 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 root of that. Mm-hmm. I really do think the separation of, of creation and God and God and like this longing for like eternities in our hearts, this like longing for God to 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 restore. Mm-hmm. I think that's felt more than we want to give credit. To, yeah. You know, and I think yeah. the beauty of, of Christianity is that the offer of, of Jesus you know allowing us to have that that relationship restored again is, yeah. is, is beautiful and even the, but even as you know in our christian walk we're still in this process and yeah. so we don't always feel i'm not saying just because you're christian you don't ever feel like you're you know not not secure or safe things like that that's right a, yeah that's right. Daily. yeah but i do think there's that that there's a i do think there's an offering of a root explanation yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think our next episode, let's dive into stress. We're going to be talking about that for the next one. But that I think this is a good preview of what you're you're going to get next week. But um, let's go to the next term here. It's actually two two ways of saying the same thing. Coping skills or coping mechanisms. And I'm going to go to Dr. Brother Mark Wigner for that one. You know, I would say just quickly, a real short thing is yeah. it's ways that we deal with things that we're facing. Mm. You know, or, you know, if we want to take the word that we just used, yeah. it's a way that we deal with stressors whether they're real or perceived yeah you know and i guess there's healthy ways yeah and unhealthy ways kirk do you want to i'll speak on the unhealthy ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um i you know there are i think the reality is we want to i know for me it's i want to feel comfortable and soothe i want to not feel the way i'm feeling yeah. so what what helps me to do that mm-hmm. right i've actually realized that i'm very um tactile in the way i am and if you notice like it I, I don't know. Some I'll like just touch my face, mm-hmm. things like that, and it's yeah. like this. I'm always like, "What's wrong with me?" Like, yeah. like, but I've, I've come to the realization: I think I'm just a very tactile person that yeah. sees yeah. me, yeah. and like I'm a hugger. That's, like yeah. I hug people. Like I love that, you know. But yeah. I, but so I'm starting to realize, okay, those and that those are probably as long as I'm hugging the right people. <laughs> these are probably like um, you know healthy coping yeah. mechanisms, things like that. But you know, there are moments where it's yeah, isolation for me is an unhealthy one, right. where I'm mm. just stepping away from. I'm avoiding. Yeah. Like avoidance is a huge one for me. Yeah. You know, okay, well, it's just going to go away and so. Yeah. That's like, you know, but in my mind, in my brain, that's, that, that's like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's not magically going to disappear because Kirk wants it gone, you know? Like, right. But for me, that makes me feel safe mm-hmm. and that's unhealthy, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and I think, I think we all struggle with those. I mean, one of the, the things that Mark, you talked about earlier and Kirk, I think you said this in a, a sermon, maybe last week, it might've been the week before, but the idea of, the importance of nuance mm. and mm. how 
damaging it can be to just want to categorize things as one or the other. We're, we're really big proponents of and on this podcast yeah. um, because that's that's just reality. But something can be very good. Meant, uh, I know that sometimes I've been really stressed out with work and I just want to get home and I want to binge Netflix for a few hours and just turn my brain off, not have to solve problems, not have to deal with client requests and, and just be soothed by something. But then also if you're using, like you were talking about avoided behavior, if you're using, if you're binging Netflix and not dealing with your, if you're a parent and you're not making sure your kids have food or you're not going to work so that there are things can be maintained around the house, you can pay your bills and all you're doing is binging Netflix and it comes back. It's extreme. Yeah. I know people that really like video games Mm -hmm. and then I know people who have spent hours and hours and hours playing video games in order to cope with stressors and they haven't gotten schoolwork done. Right. They haven't gotten, mm-hmm. you know, things that they really needed to get done. Yeah. And so, you know, when we look at these things, a lot of these things aren't bad. It just sometimes we take them to an extreme isolation, for example. Right. Sometimes it's good. Solitude's good. Right? Yeah, sometimes it's good. But to an extreme, it becomes unhealthy. And I love that you say that because you're you're absolutely right. And I think any good coping mechanism can become bad. The gym exercise is fantastic for you. You've got dopamine going through your system from the runs. If you're a runner, if you're doing all this other stuff, it's great. It's a natural coping mechanism, but you can also work yourself to the point where you're damaging your body. Mm-hmm. And so anything taken to the extreme can, can be dangerous, but it's really important to have good coping mechanisms. So the work that I do with teens in the art therapy world is really establishing ways that they can take all of these feelings, sometimes very big feelings, and share them or even not even share them, but just externalize them mm-hmm. in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. So I've worked with kids that are haven't gone through major trauma in their lives or that aren't in the middle of some situations that are bigger than they can kind of wrap their heads around. So just, you know, your quote unquote average child that's going to school. And then I've also worked with kids that are in homeless shelters. I've worked with kids that are in juvenile detention centers. So they've been arrested or they don't have a place to live. They don't have a family. I've worked with kids where their families, uh, there's there's court mandated family separations where they don't, they can't see mom and dad. Mom and dad are not healthy for them to be around in this period of time. And so they're not able to do that. And so all of that, all of these vastly different children need a way to cope. And so we teach them uh, how to use art as a way to cope, as a way to express yourself, sometimes as a way to communicate. Um, and in that, I think you and I were talking, Mark, and we were talking about the idea that the coping mechanism itself is great, but it's also the idea of teaching your body that you can, even when things feel like they're out of control, get to a place of calm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about that a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. just emotional regulation. I, I can talk from my own uh, experiences. I did a lot of different work when I first got out of rehab, yeah. and my I was really dysregulated. And, and some of the, the therapeutic interventions, which yeah. we'll talk about interventions yeah. later, but you know, some of them allowed me to experience calm in my body. And I would say for the first time in my life <laughs> that I felt, you know, this sense of peace. Yeah. And then, you know, the disappointing thing was a couple hours later it left. Yeah. You know, and then I was like. It's gone, mm-hmm. you know, but it felt so good. Yeah. But it just allows you to experience that and let you to know, let you know it's possible to do. Yeah. You know, and so since then, I've been able to expand my window yeah. and feel a lot more calmness and just know that it's possible. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful knowledge, mm-hmm. knowing. Yeah. That's, I love the, that's, there's a hope, right? Because sometimes when you're yeah. in these things, it feels hopeless. Like I, I can't ever feel it the way that I'm hoping to feel. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, all these feelings... You know, it doesn't mean we're not going to feel certain ways. Like I think you're, you're saying, like some, we're not going to be. Um, there's times we're going to feel disappointed, and, and that's not a, a wrong feeling. Like, yeah. like life, I don't think is always just happiness. Like yeah. 
that'd be great, but I don't think that's what life's like. But I think to, to your point, Mark, of just, you know, these different, there, there's hope this could, this can be a possibility. We can, we can see this happen, you know, and I love that. And I was thinking through coping skills and things like, um, the way that I, that's helped me is like, I try to look at the, like God created all, God has created all things, right? So he's created all these things that we even find ourselves turning to, to cope, right? Yeah. Um, and so what's our, what's our relationship with those things? Cause there's context that God gives for these things. There's design. And is this, I think the question I ask myself when I'm leaning heavily into something is like, what's my relationship right now? Is this a healthy relationship mm-hmm. right now with this? Or is this something? And sometimes mm-hmm. I can't see that. And right. I need community. I need people alongside me to yeah. be like, you know, to, to point me. Yeah. But I do think it's like being able to, if, you, if we can just kind of look at these different mechanisms and say, okay, what's what's the health in this relationship look like? Is it dysfunctional? Maybe then I need to step away. Yeah, yeah. I love the word dysfunctional, right? Because it's just a modified version of functional. And that's a question that maybe we don't ask ourselves all the time. The purpose of all of the things that we're talking about and coping mechanisms, whether they're good or bad, are to help us function. They get us through the day. So if you have a broken arm, you need a splint, right? It's something that will allow you to continue to do the things you need to do. Um, And I I think that question is is a good checkup tool for ourselves. Like, is this functional? Is this something that's going to allow me to to continue forward? I I have the stupidest joke in my head. No, do it. Do it, please. Uh, Well, you're like dis and function. You're like, yeah, I'm a dis you function. (laughs) So you're dysfunctional. (laughs) Dis. This is for 90s kids out there. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Dis is a 90s term. It's a 90s term. Sorry. That's... (laughs) I don't have the health relationship in my brain at the moment. Your brain is functional. So that's, we, we just thank God for that. Sorry about that. You know, and, and this, this idea, we want to define it, but this idea of coping mechanisms and way to cope is such a broad thing. Maybe we'll do a, a podcast. Yeah. Just I think we should. On, on yeah. Coping, yeah. healthy coping. Yeah. Like, you know, ways that people can yeah. utilize coping mechanisms that are healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's sure. do that. <clears throat> so the third term that we have is talk therapy. Yeah, talk therapy is a really broad term, but it, in, in essence, it's, it's talking about a dialogue that you're having mm-hmm. with another individual, somebody who's trained, mm-hmm. who, who can identify patterns, maybe diagnose, things mm-hmm. like that, to bring about resolutions yeah. in your life or, yeah. or unwanted behaviors. If you have mm-hmm. unwanted behaviors or unwanted thoughts or uh, emotions that are unwanted, being able to work through those and to resolve those. And a lot of times we talked about the past. Kind of finding where where they had roots in the past, yeah, and mm-hmm. that they're showing up today. That's just a quick, yeah, real quick definition. In the past, too, I think there's the importance of of looking even further back and looking at legacy and looking mm-hmm. at um, what's the genome, genome. I don't know where yeah. you, you, you track your family Genomics. history. Yeah, so, yeah, and like yeah. kind of look at hey, these are patterns, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and I think yeah. that's, if you've never, if you haven't done that before, yeah. I would recommend going to that exercise, you yeah. know, getting help, having someone help you go through that. But uh, I think it's important. It, it can bring some light to like, why do I tend to let, uh, uh, lean this way or yeah. act this way? You know, and it's like, there is something genetically, you know, uh, dispositions, things like that. It's connected. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to just go back to the talk therapy for a minute. Mm-hmm. The idea of talk therapy is really helpful too, because it, you, you have somebody who's hopefully objective. Yes. You know? yeah. So you can talk to your wife or you can talk with your children or you can talk with your neighbor. A lot of times you'll get advice from mm-hmm. all of them. Yeah. Hopefully in, in talk therapy, you get tools 
yeah. to be able to work through things yourself. Yeah. You don't get told the answer right. that you get told or, you know, the, the therapist can say, like, I see this or I see that mm-hmm. and have you kind of wrestle with that, whether yeah. that's true or not. I love that. Would the term be like more discovery? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then, then, yeah. You know, because I think like you said, like you're going to get an answer if you ask someone who knows you mm-hmm. as a, a subjective view of who you are and yeah. your circumstance. But when you when you go somewhere objective, that person helps you to to get to the place where you can see. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and discover. You and I have talked about this. You know, I've had people come in that have said to me, I want to come to you because you're healthy. Mm. And I'm like, you know, there's areas where I'm healthy and there's areas where I'm struggling and not as healthy. It's not a matter of being healthy as much as, you know, having gone there before Mm -hmm. and, you know, being able to show you things that I've learned through my own treatment and, you know, being able to be objective with that. Right. That's That's really important. Yeah. And I, and I love that you did say someone who's trained, right? Because there is mm-hmm. the difference. Talk therapy isn't sitting with your friends and talking. That's just talking. That's great. And, that's and it can helpful. be helpful. Yeah. That's absolutely helpful. It's just a different, it's a, it's a different thing. It's a different way of, of different context. Yeah. Different context. Different context. Yeah. 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 We're not saying don't talk to people. Right. No, it's good. And you should please, please, please. <laughs> talk to friends. Yeah. Like, friends are good to have. But it's just a different but you, you get you gain some different perspective from discovery when you have someone exactly. who don't who doesn't necessarily know you, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or doesn't not even know, doesn't have a, an emotional attachment to you mm-hmm. that so skin in the game. Yeah, because I think like if someone loves you, there are mm-hmm. things that they're blind to because of that love mm-hmm. or that they don't want to call out because they're afraid of it affecting the relationship. Yeah. And so you can't really go to people that you're close to for a really objective view. That's good. So I think that that's important. It's it's why you never can accurately tell how you look in sunglasses. <laughs> this doesn't work. You have to look through the lens to see them. It doesn't work. <laughs> I'm just full, full I'm just, of useful information. Yeah, I'm just shaking my head. Like, how did we get there? I mean, the, the real answer to your question, Mark, is I have no idea. Okay, I, all right. <laughs> we haven't gotten Tom Hanks yet. Usually that's where we land. That's, in yeah. So we'll have to find good. Hanks in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about depression. and Let's try to not be depressed while we talk about it. Yeah, so, so, so depression is a mood. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can have depressive thoughts also. Yeah. You know, it's just a lowering mm-hmm. of your mood. And, you know, sometimes we think about sadness when we think about yeah. depression. You know, another thing we think about is changes in appetite changes in sleep Mm -hmm. you know changes in your patterns things like that Mm -hmm. not being as motivated you know and and so when we were talking about this before you know if you have any of those don't panic because we all have depression we all have sadness you know when it gets serious is when it lasts for a long duration yeah and and also um how deep it goes yeah it's very intense yeah Yeah. it's intense you know because um as human beings we will suffer with depression many times during our life but when it when it is getting in the way of life Mm -hmm. then it's something to definitely check yeah i think this one is um just speaking to our cultural context i think this one is a challenging one because i think we don't do sadness sorrow well as a regular part of life like we don't do lament very well at all as a Mm -hmm. culture we're winners right we're always winning things like that and yet this that's not really typically how life works even if you look biblically a lot of times when it comes to like loss and things like that there was a season of mourning you know and i I don't know if that'd be depression i'm not sure but it's like that's a season of lamenting because life was lost and that's a that's a huge thing yeah right and so i think that you know we're it could possibly be that 
depression is hard for us to define at times because we just think it's it's sadness, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, we, we just have a pretty unique view of cultural mourning and sorrow where all of a sudden, like, someone passes away, then you have to go to back to work the next, like, in two days. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't make any sense. It's you know so what I mean? Healthy. It's like, but it's, it's so unhealthy. Like, because yeah. your body, you haven't really... I, not saying you have, I don't make these broad, but like it's possible you haven't, it's processing through this hasn't you taken you place. Metabolized it. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah. you're still in shock maybe, you yeah. know? And it's like, so I, I just think, I appreciate the definition that you give Mark because I think it's, we, we might not really know how to like place it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I think you're absolutely right. We, we've cut down grieving periods to what's best for society, for work, for productivity and not what's best for the person. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if it's Deuteronomy. I think it's, uh, I'm sorry, I think it's at the end of Exodus where uh, Moses passes away. I think it's Exodus 29, mm-hmm. Exodus 30. Um, the people of Israel don't do anything. They they sit and grieve for 30 days, an entire mm-hmm. month to grieve this man that's passed away. Are and they depressed? No. No, but they're right? taking the time to work through. But if, I, if like, that's the challenge that I think we see, right? If, if I was just to sit around for 30 days, you guys like, what in the world? Yeah. And maybe there are, dep- I'm not, I don't want to discount depression. It's not yeah. my whole oh, thing. Yeah, there, but, yeah. but I think there's something about like, how do we learn how to understand grief and yeah. mourning and, and sorrow and yeah. especially over loss. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's finality. We yeah. don't understand finality. It's really hard for us, you know? And the Jewish culture has a great, great relationship with, with grieving and with mourning. Sitting Shiva is something that people do. Um, What's your language, man? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say the uh, the Shiva word on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but that's something that's not only acceptable, but expected. Yeah. And we have some of the old world traditions, Italian traditions, uh, Puerto Rican traditions, allow for a longer period of grief than our modern traditions. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to feel things and to allow mm-hmm. ourselves to feel things, to understand those things. And those times when we are brought down naturally by things that occur to experience it. I think, like you said, Mark, it's the time mm-hmm. and it's the the intensity of it. If it's gone on for months and months and months, or if you're you're not getting the sleep and you're mm-hmm. not eating and you don't you don't have the energy to do work and it's starting to affect the way that you can live your life, functionality like we just talked about, um, then it's time to talk to somebody that might be able to tell you whether or not it's it's a problem. Right. Mm, I think good. that's important. Thanks for that. I hope that was a rabbit trail, but it was... No, I think we, we went to a lot of interesting places. We grabbed the carrots where they were. So... <laughs> we did it together. That's all we matters. did it together. Yeah. The carrots are the friends we found along the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about anxiety next. What is anxiety? You know, anxiety is like the flip side of the coin mm-hmm. from depression mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And, and I want to just say real quick, clinically, a lot of times when you're experiencing depression you're experiencing a low level of anxiety. You just don't notice it because you don't have energy. Or if you're anxious, yeah. you're feeling depression, but because you're, you're so activated, yeah. you don't feel that depression. You know? So it doesn't that's look just the same way. It doesn't yeah. present the just same way. Just something yeah. to think wow, about. But anyway, that's insightful. Wow. yeah, going back to, to anxiety, though, it's an unease or being worried or tense or, or um, you know, just being nervous. Mm. Uh, mm. Again, a lot of the same shifts in behavior, uh, eating changes sometimes, yeah. uh, sleeping patterns change, functionality changes. Yeah. You know, people sometimes will say, you know, I'm so anxious, I can't think straight. Mm. You know, it just mm-hmm. impacts yeah. how we're functioning. Yeah, that's really good. You know, and I think that, um, I think sometimes in the church world, we're kind of like, we read the words of Jesus versus do not be anxious. 
and then we kind of like look at it as what's wrong with me. But mm-hmm. I think I think it's Jesus talking about don't remain anxious, mm-hmm. you know, because you know look at the look at the birds, look at the how how your father in heaven you know, feeds them, look at the flowers, how they are clothed, you know. So mm-hmm. I I, th- I think it's important to to recognize like I think we feel anxious, and uh, you know I think the church world sometimes we like oh am I sinning? Is that sin? Like am I yeah. disobedient to Jesus? Like what is what's going on here? But I don't I don't think that's necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I used to think that I've never experienced anxiety in my life. I'm generally a pretty easygoing, upbeat guy. 2020 was the absolute worst. And I'm sure people can say this about that year. It was the absolute worst year of my life, like bar none. The amount of loss and grief that I experienced 2020 and 2021 just was a tidal wave. And I started to experience anxiety the way that some friends of mine that I've been close to in the past had described it. Just the heart palpitations, the... The like sweating, all of a sudden feeling that fight or flight and nothing external was happening, all that stuff. And so I I worked through 2020 and, and even more recently until somebody pointed it out. I was like, oh, like this is when anxiety, I've never experienced anxiety until then. And I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was you that pointed it out, Mark, the idea that everybody experiences anxiety. It's just a matter of the levels, right? So I experienced, I think, a more normal level of anxiety in the past when I've never really been anxious about tests, but like when a project was due and I hadn't done it, but it didn't feel like this level. So I'm, I'm learning to see that it's a very natural thing and it's just a matter of proportions. Do you, do you think, this is a question probably for you, Mark, but do you feel like um, sometimes we we put panic attack in the same, is that the same thing? Like we associate that with anxiety? Like mm-hmm. Is there something to that? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think that, that when we when we look at anxiety, it's on a continuum. Yeah. You know, you can be like a little bit unrest mm-hmm. or you can be what we call like a nervous wreck mm-hmm. or you can kind of be incapacitated in the middle of a panic attack. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's at the end of the continuum. Okay, that's helpful. You know, yeah. Again, all of it uh, impacts functioning, but at different levels depending yeah. on how high it is for you. Yeah, and I think yeah. that actually ties into to manic and mania, right? Is that kind of a... Yeah, it, mania is an interesting... Right? Or manic yeah. is, a, is a really interesting term it's changed over the years you know we used to talk about manic depressive disorder yeah now we talk about bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. and i don't want to go into too much but i just wanted to find that when we look at manic we're talking about a rapid usually a rapid shift in mood Mm -hmm. like a real swing where the mood is elevated or escalated you know there's tons of energy or anger Mm -hmm. you know yeah and and so there again it's a dysregulation in mood and a lot of times there's professional help that's needed for that. Yeah. Right, right. The, the extreme, like living in the extremes type yeah. of feel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. That's, yeah, that's helpful and interesting. It's a good definition. So the next one up is support system. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of our our journey. You know, I, I bring it back to when most people, when they go to the gym, sometimes they have a trainer. Like a, you mm. know what I mean? That's part, that's like almost like a, you know, if you really want to get things done, you get a trainer. Yeah, like I, yeah. I'll go to the gym and I'm like, I'm going to do things. And I'm like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, you know, <laughs> but I'll pretend like I do and mm-hmm. pretend like I'm actually making progress. And I'm not. Yeah. So I think the similar way, it's it's like, okay, how do you build that support? And even like, you know, same now, you, you, you go with a group of buddies to the gym, right? You mm-hmm. have this, this, this group, you have community in your yeah. life that you're uh, supporting you through this journey. And so mm-hmm. that could look different for, for, for different people. But I think that should include... Um, personally, I think it should include a local church community, but you know, I'm a little biased in that. Um, but I do think there's, there's, we need community. We need, I think at certain levels, there's also like 
just the help of support groups. Like yeah. there's, uh, I think of the, the group that um, uh, our, our friends at, at Emergence run with uh, Redemption Recovery, where there's yeah. a group specifically for people who are struggling with um, anxiety and depression, things like that. And it's a, I was part of that for um, a good year and a half. And I, I thought there was such a huge value to it. Yeah. Where you had a space to share and to talk about, you know, how that week went, how the journey was. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's one of the ways, and you know, that, that we can see, uh, this level of support and what that looks yeah. like. So, and shout out to Joan and Phil and everybody over there oh, yeah. at uh, R&R. We love you guys. Yeah. That's really good, Kirk. And, uh, and you were saying how, I forgot how you phrased it, but the, the idea came to me as you were talking about it, that it's, I mean, it can also shift in different seasons. Mm-hmm. Sometimes our support group changes over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you leave your high school friends behind and you yeah. establish a new group of friends in, in mm-hmm. college. Maybe you have a mentor. Sometimes mentors come in and out of our lives, depending on what we're looking yeah. for, what we need in that season. Um, I wonder if it's like support chapters, you know, like chapters yeah, in your life, just yeah. like different support groups. That's actually a good way to look at it. Yeah, that's really good. And then we have levels. We have people that can more generally support us, which I think is like the larger friend group mm-hmm. um, or the church as a whole. And then there's people that you trust with with more specific things that maybe aren't for everyone. And I think the one thing that we've talked about a lot is like that support needs to be people who are safe. Right. Yes. I think we have to we could be supported by people who are not helping us and dysfunction like bring us and not, I'm not saying we avoid people, especially as, as Christians, we're called to go to people and, and carry carry burdens, things like that. But I think in this system, it's good to just recognize that for desiring support, that it's from a place of, of safe, healthy yeah. people. But when, when you guys talk about safe, what do you mean? So I think number one for me is that I can trust them with what I'm bringing to them. Right. So I grew up with my mom being really difficult to trust. Not that she was purposely damaging me, but that. She would just, whatever I revealed to her, went out to the entire church. Okay, so you're talking about confidentiality. So confidentiality is important to me. Yeah. Yeah. If I trust somebody with something that I'm struggling with, I want to, I feel safe if I know that it's going to stay between the two of us, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I often talk about the fact that I want people to lean forward when I'm talking to them Mm -hmm. and not and not lean back or pull away. Yeah. You know, that they stay in the room. Yeah. I'm pulling yeah. back right now. I know you can't see it, but it's, uh, I'm trying to get away from the microphone because apparently I'm really loud. So, so it's yeah. okay. <laughs> I think I'm not leaning into you, Mark. I think that um, safe is when we have relationships that don't feel like they're just always on the table, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. at any moment, this thing is going to... doesn't change. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's, yeah. if you have those, which I, I don't know how many you know, in our culture do, but, yeah. uh, you know, but if you have like, Hey, this relationship's not on the table, we're going to continue to walk through stuff in spite of whatever yeah. we're bringing, you know, um, yeah, I think that's, that's safe. I think for me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I've been in relationships, uh, romantic relationships that were really stressful and that were, that felt bipolar because of that. Everything was mm-hmm. all or nothing all the time. And it was like, we just had a small argument about mm-hmm. this and, and so I, I love that you shared that because that's, I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. Mm-hmm. So our next one, this is, this is kind of a three piece <laughs> three definition three here. There's yeah. a trinity. That's a trinity. So it's the difference between a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and a therapist. What, what are those three things? Usually with a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist will do diagnosis mm. and, you know, perform diagnosis and then will prescribe medication. Uh, in, at times they'll do yeah. therapy, talk therapy, mm-hmm. but, but not, not normally. Yeah. You know, when you look at psychologists, they're trained to do talk therapy mm-hmm. and they're also trained to do testing. 
Mm. They can do testing for learning disabilities and other other mental disorders yeah. that you know people are trying to you know kind of nail down. Mm-hmm. And then therapists, therapists are masters level mm-hmm. um, clinicians that do talk therapy. Yeah. You know they're trained. You know um, and are licensed by the state mm-hmm. to be able to perform mental health um, interventions. Do you want to say that? <laughs> <laughs> That's the next word. That's intervention. Next word. We're allowed to use it. Well, we'll yeah. define it in a minute. But we're all here. We could use the word. Where was I? Let me see. But so you were talking about so therapists, masters level psychiatrists are usually doctors, right? Yeah, they have to prescribe yeah. medications. So they've gone to medical school, right? So so masters level are usually people that have been trained, are licensed in the state, and are capable of doing interventions, diagnosis, things like that. Yeah. But they don't prescribe medications, right? right. That's a therapist. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And then is there so psychiatrist? Medical has doctor. a PhD medical doctor. Medical, medical doctor. Therapist is the master's. Usually a psychologist will have a PhD mm-hmm. and then some therapists have a doctorate like myself, yeah. but also have uh, master's level training as well. That's great. So those are just a couple ways you can kind of tell them apart and explain. Mm-hmm. All trying to vie for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the same goal, just different um, yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of times I've worked in, in, in combination with a psychiatrist, yeah. you know, that usually is not just medication or therapy. It's a combination mm-hmm. of both yeah. that give you the best results. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, it's like if you want to look good at the beach, right? Gym is great, but maybe you should be eating healthy. Maybe having a whole bowl of Nutella is yeah, good, yeah. right? So that's good. <laughs> Some carrots that we found along the way. The carrots that we found along the way. Have a carrot, my friend. <laughs> so this is the word, the, the, the I word that we've been uh, using, but have been avoiding because we hadn't defined it yet. Intervention. There's different definitions for intervention depending on what you're talking about. I think everyone, or most people are probably familiar with the TV show, Intervention, where... People get brought into a room and everybody sits them down and they talk to them about, we're worried about you, here's our concern, whatever the, the problem is that, that person's facing. But intervention in the medical, the clinical definition is different. Mark, right, do you want to talk about what an intervention means? Yeah, so, so you look at um, medical, you know, going to the emergency room, yeah. you know, looking at triaging, maybe down or up from, yeah. from there, will the person have to stay? Yeah. You know, so it, it, a lot of times with the medical, it's a little bit more clear cut. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit more of our word nebulous yes, when, yeah. when it comes to talk therapy. It's not as divine, defined, yeah. you know, and so I look at interventions as just things that you do to cause change, mm. you know, to, and sometimes they're disruptive yeah. to people's lives. But, you know, hopefully in the long run, it helps them to function better. Mm. So, so, you know, I was thinking about this before. In a session, I could do like maybe 10 interventions of different things that I say just to get the person to think differently or to challenge them with things that they're holding on to that they might not need to hold on to. Yeah. You know, or you have, like you said, you know, the big intervention where people sit around in a room, they write letters and and talk about, you know, what the concerns that they have and what they think needs to happen for, let's say, Mm -hmm. that family member, that friend. Right, right. So would it be fair to say it's like a a care plan, like a plan of care? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's or good. a series of, you know, See, yeah, it's it, not it would just be like a care one, plan right. with a series of interventions. Okay, so, okay, I got you. So interventions are like the strategies? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And they often disrupt, yeah. which is good. And disruption just means to change the status mm-hmm. quo, right? Yeah. Change what, yeah. what's happening in that moment. And I just want to say it's really uncomfortable for all of us. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, think of, <laughs> I think of Jesus as like the great intervener, right? He's always yeah. this intervention of like, 
seeing us as we're walking down these paths of sin destruction, he kind of intervenes and disrupts that to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like gets us back, you know, pointed on path towards him. And it's like, you know, right. we're modeling. In a, in a bigger way, you look at how Jesus just disrupted the whole world. Oh, 100%. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Just turned things upside down. Yeah. People thought this is the way it's done. Yeah. And he turned it upside down. Yeah. yeah. So Jesus had the first intervention is what you're saying. Yes. Awesome. Acts 17.6. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Acts 17.6 where Christians are called they who turn the world upside down. Absolutely. Yeah. Just completely yeah. messed with the rules and disrupted society as it was, mm-hmm. which is, is pretty cool. So the next one here is a word that we've used, I think, in this podcast once before at least. Uh, and that's the word outcome. What is what is an outcome? Um, outcome, I think, is, is just the goals, I think, that we have established mm-hmm. that we want to see, you want to see happen. Um, I think there's... I don't necessarily know there's always timelines or, or, there, or at least the timelines can't be adjusted. Yeah. Um, so I think there is some kind of hope, some flexibility depending on the circumstance. But I think that's kind of the, okay, what are, what are we trying to see happen here? Like yeah. what are, what's the, what's so, the desired? So yeah. somebody is having problems with addiction, let's say to alcohol or, or, mm-hmm. or to drugs. So, you know, the outcome hopefully is to move towards sobriety yeah. right? and, and to, to live a sober life. Right, yeah. right. I love that. That's that's a simple definition yeah. that I think is exactly it. What the Ooh, the outcome is dysfunction to function. Yeah, yeah that right. That's yeah. it. Or yeah. Moving. yeah, that's the hope. Moving yeah, in that direction. Yeah, the hoped outcome. Yeah, but prognosis. I don't want to bring it into a medical word. I'm trying to take jargon out of it yeah. instead of adding it in. But the idea of prognosis is like the hoped for outcome, mm-hmm. and then the outcome is the actual what actually happens. Mm-hmm. The reality of mm-hmm. the intervention. Right. Right. So we can use the words um, in sentences. That's that's really good. So I think we've been working to build a solid foundation with our listeners here over the past three episodes. Uh, we explained the purpose of the podcast in the first episode. We shared some of our own mental health journeys in the second one. And now with this one, we established a shared language so that we can talk freely about it. And so people can understand what it is that we're trying to say. But I think next week, guys, stress. I think okay. next week we're going to dive deep into stress. Let's people can it. bring their scuba suits and... Uh, yeah. Um, we've already seen people uh, leaving us feedback on the first episode. We love that. Since we're going to be talking about stress in this uh, upcoming episode, if you could leave us maybe some suggestions as to types of stress that you deal with, some aspects of stress that you'd like help with or, or want some some illumination on, uh, any of that stuff would be really so how great. Are they, how are they going to contact? Add some stress to my life. Yes. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, you can definitely, I love getting emails. It's, uh, and that's not sarcastic, I really do. Um, it's Kirk, K-I-R-K at commonplacechurch.org. So. K-I-R-K at commonplacechurch.org. And listen, something that I wanted to uh, to make sure to say here is podcasts are great and uh, being more aware of what's going on in your life and mental health and all kinds of suggestion and advice is really good just to kind of to learn about these things. But no podcast, nobody's advice is a substitute for professional help. Mm-hmm. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're, you're struggling and it's more than you can deal with, just listening to a podcast is not a great intervention. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to seek somebody out that's going to be able to help you, a professional that's trained and can actually lead you to a place that's going to be better for you. It's going to make you, help make you healthier. Amen to that. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, next week, we're going to be talking about stress, but for now, just have no worries. Until we come back to you next week, uh, thank you for tuning in to us. God bless, and we'll see you soon. See you.